Good morning, Oakwood. And welcome to uh, our series, Hometown. Uh, this is part four, and I want to begin today just because it's been a few weeks to do a little bit of a review to kind of get us to uh, where we are today because a series like this kind of builds week by week. In week one, we uh, talked about James 1.22, one of my favorite verses in Scripture that's been with me since my teenage years. It says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And we talked that week about uh, being a people of action and being doers, uh, being people that actually uh, will step up and do something for the Lord. And week two, we talked about praying for our hometown. That if we're going to love where we live right here in our hometown, that we need to be a people of prayer. And prayer, in its simplest form and understanding, is just commu- simply communication to God. But it's so much more than that because when we pray, we're calling on the most powerful creator of the universe, our master and our savior. And so uh, it's so important that we be praying about what we're doing for the Lord Jesus. And week three, which was two weeks ago, we talked about uh, positive words. We talked about how our words and our language and the way we speak really reflects Christ to the world. And, and we talked about that everything from social media to even news today. Um, but that we want to be people that have positive words and speak uh, truth and influence into our hometown. And today we're going to be talking about positive deeds. Uh, positive deeds that we do for the kingdom of God. You know, uh, football is kind of in full swing now. Uh, you know, the, the college feels like it's been going on for weeks. I know it's just been a couple of weeks. Uh, NFL, most of the games kick off today. And so we're in that, in that time and season of the year. And I thought about awkward moments in, in football. And, and one thing that would be really, really awkward is if a team huddled, if a team will huddle like quarterback's there and he's calling the play and the team's around, and you know what they do as at the end of a huddle, they say break, and then they go to their position, and then what do they do? They run the play, right? So they talked about the play, then they go run the play. What would be really awkward is if that happened, and the uh, football team uh, would come, and they would talk about the play, and they'd say break, and then they would all run off the field and go sit on the bench and drink water, you know, have a Gatorade break, right? They'd be like, what are you doing? You know, delay of game, you know, they come huddle again. And then they would go out and sit on the bench. And then they would come huddle again and they'd go out and sit on the bench. I think sometimes, man, that looks like church a little bit, doesn't it? And we come and huddle. And it's like Sunday morning, yeah, we're going to huddle. We're going to come with a game plan. We're going to get really motivated and inspired. We're going to read the Word of God. We're going to become convicted. We're going to confess our sins. We're gonna, and then we're going to go out there and we're going to sit on the bench and drink Gatorade. And, and then we'll come back next week for the huddle, though. The huddle, you know. And it's just like one of those things that we gotta, we got to, this is something that we have to work at. We have to not only work at our faith in Jesus Christ, but we have got to work out our calling in Jesus Christ and actually do something for the, the kingdom of God. You could, you could even use this illustration like in a work context. Let's say you're out of work and you're, you're at a job and, and, and you work with people and you have a collaborative plan and everybody has their part, right? It's like, okay, uh, this is the plan and, and so you're going to do this job, you're going to do this job, you're going to do this job. How frustrating would it be that everybody has their assignment and then, uh, you know, they have a deadline and you find out, well, they didn't work on it. I actually went to the, to the coffee shop for a couple days. I hung out. You know, it, it's like, how frustrating would that be? And you say, well, yeah, that's, that's insane, you know, but yet I find that sometimes we get sucked into that as Christians. We, we get sucked into to that ourselves. Maybe a better way to, to, to explain this would be to just share a little story with you. This is the story about four people. Their names were everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. I'll share it with you now. There was a need that needed to be met, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Now, anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. 
Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. But everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. You get my point? There's something that we are called to do as Christians, and one of those things we're going to really focus on today uh, is that we are called to serve. We're called to perform positive deeds, random acts of kindness that show Christ's love to the world. Now, this is really going to dovetail onto week one where we talked about being a people that do God's work and don't merely talk about God's work, don't merely pray about God's work, don't merely think about it and wish we would have, but we're actually going to tangibly take action in the community to show the Christian life that we have through the positive deeds of service. Now, here's the, here's the big idea I want you to get this morning is that the deeds of your life reflect who rules your heart. The deeds of your life reflect who rules your heart. This really makes sense. It's very quite simple. It's nothing earth-shattering about that statement. If you are a selfish person and we looked at the deeds of your life, we're going to naturally see that all of your decisions and all of your time is spent on self-serving things, on things that are selfish, on things that serve what you want, when you want, how you want it. If we look at your bank account, it will reflect that. If we look at how your, your calendar lines up and stacks up, we will, we will see that. We will see that, oh, that, man, this, this person is, is just really about themselves. You, know, you could spin this into so many different areas of life. You could talk about hobbies. You could talk about your, your personal preferences, your favorite things to do. Maybe it's, it's even something like worldliness, that you just struggle with that rampant pursuit of stuff and that you want more stuff. And if we looked at the deeds of your life and, and how you spend your time and maybe you're always trolling on Amazon looking for that next thing to buy or maybe you're a car person, you're always looking for that next car to buy. But we would look at the time spent and we would say, okay, well, this is something that serves yourself. This is something that is about what you want. And a Christian, a Christ follower, a true Christ follower, should be seeing more and more of their time being about the business of the Lord and being about what God wants. Because that is what we're called to do when we accept Christ and we accept the mission of, the, of His people and, and of ultimately the church. If we serve worldliness and selfishness, um, we're going to see those deeds in our life. If we are just a, a person that is just all about our time and, and all about a life of leisure, or maybe we're a workaholic, maybe it's the complete other way, we're going to see those deeds reflected in our life. And Christians should exemplify Christ through good deeds of service service in life and those can't be selfish and this is not something that we just do it's something it's it's more than that it's who we are it's the evidence of Christ's work in us that people would see the shift in our lives that we're we're not about just ourselves we're actually about others now and we're actually going to do this in God's grace and in his power I love what second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 says says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. That's all grace, not some, not limited, but all grace abound to you. So that having what? So having all sufficiency, so everything is sufficient in all things, not in some things, but in all things. And then even at all times, not just sometimes, but all times, that you may abound in every good work. Why the grace? Why the sufficiency of all things and all times, God providing all that you need, it's so that you may abound in every good work. And that's where we have to pause this morning and say, am I abounding in every good work? 
the opportunities that come my way. Am I abounding in those opportunities to do positive deeds, selfless deeds for others, or am I doing things only for myself? A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he puts it this way, God needs no one, but when true faith is present, He works through anyone. I'm here to tell you this morning that He wants to work through you. He wants to work through me right here, right now, right in our hometown. And serving our hometown with positive deeds starts with a mindset and an attitude change that happens in our heart and in our life. And I want to reflect that through Christ this morning. So have your Bibles. Uh, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. If you want to use the, uh, the uh, Bible that's uh, right there in front of you, just uh, grab it. Turn to page 980. And as always, you're welcome to uh, follow along in the app. Uh, you can download that, that to your tablet or to your phone. And you have all the sermon notes and the scriptures right there. But we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 3. And it's actually talking about Jesus, the Son of God here. And it's talking about an example of humility, but it really talks about this humility through his service to the kingdom and being available and serving God Almighty. This is what it says in verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. You see, even the fact that Jesus, who was the Son of God, and who had all of his royalty and all of his privilege up in heaven with the Heavenly Father, just by the fact that he came and took on the form of man and dwelt among us, just by the very fact that he did that, it's an amazing thing. Because he humbled himself and took on the form of a servant. And Jesus, through his whole life, was telling us, He's like, I did not come to be served, but to serve. We're going to talk about a scripture that talks about that in just a few minutes. But I want to get really practical about this this morning. How? How do I serve and love my hometown and glorify, glorify my Savior? How can, that, how can that happen? How do I make that happen? How can I do that? And the first way that I want to share with you this morning is this. You need to serve when you know you should. You need to serve when you know you should. As you grow as a Christian... Uh, you, you more and more uh, see this principle at work, don't you? You feel, it, you feel the call of God, you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to do some things, to take some action in your life. In James chapter uh, 4, verse 17, it says this, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. That's kind of one of those scriptures that's a little bit scary, isn't it? Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. You see, in our daily life, we see needs. We hear of needs. If you're walking with the Lord and you're outside of your little box, um, you know you see needs. You can go to work tomorrow and listen to the person in the next office or the next cubicle. Uh, you, maybe you go to school tomorrow, you can talk to someone on staff there in the next classroom. Wherever you go, you can see needs that need to be met. And those needs, a lot of time, are going to require some action on your part. You're going to have to have a conversation. You're going to have to have, open the door to, to saying a prayer from some, for someone. 
You're, you're actually going to have to meet a need. You're actually going to have to, to get your wallet out or, or to get your checkbook out and help meet a need. Or maybe you're just going to have to spend your time. Maybe they've shared with you, well, well this is what's going on, and so I, you know, I have to do these activities, and maybe you're just the one that shows up. And you sacrifice your time. One of your most valuable commodities is to share your time with people. But whatever it is, is you take that step of action and you do what you know you should do. Because I venture a guess that all of us, if not most of us, this week, and if not for sure this week, maybe even in the past month, we at some point have felt like we need to do something. We have felt like, man, I hear about this need. Should I intervene there? Should I go down that road? Should I have that conversation? Should I pray? Should I reach out to that person that's hurting, that person that's in need? And you almost feel the Holy Spirit nudge you and because after the time passes and after that moment fleets, you've, you've, you've justified yourself and why you're not going to take a step of action, you're not going to perform any positive deed and, and you kind of justify it and it goes by and you kind of feel guilty about it. You kind of said, man, I really should have done that. Maybe it's to your neighbor. Maybe it's to a friend. Maybe it's even someone in your own family. But if you're wavering and you're wondering, hmm, should I? Then the answer is probably yes. It's probably yes. Yes, you should. If you encounter that this week about, well, should I reach out? Should I pray? Should I talk? Should I? Yeah, you probably should if you see the need. The second thing is that we serve when your reputation might suffer. We serve when your reputation might suffer. We serve when you know you should, and you serve even when it's not maybe the most popular or the smartest thing for you to do socially. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 20 and 22 through 23, it says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. You see, sometimes we look for the coolest places to serve. We look for the kind of places that might get us some type of recognition. That might give us some type of special attention. We don't seek out those places where no one else wants to serve there. No one else wants to meet that need. And we don't humble ourselves. And because of that, I think sometimes the ministry of Christ can suffer. But we're so about our reputations and what we look like that we will actually go to the point that we will not serve. We will refuse to serve in an area. So many people say, well, that's not my calling. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. But if you did love Jesus... And you did believe that your service could make a difference. And you did believe that He could use you, even in an area where you don't feel gifted. That somehow through God's power, you could still make a difference. That's what I'm talking about here. Serve when your reputation might suffer. It's not the most popular thing to be the one that's on trash duty. But maybe that's what God's calling you to do. We're serving not because of what's in it for us. But we serve with a missional mindset just as Paul does. Thinking about positive deeds that might win some people. Which brings us uh, to our next one. And it kind of goes along with this. Is that we need to serve so you aren't bothered when you're treated like a servant. 
We need to serve in such a way that we're not bothered when we're treated like a servant. Think of the treatment of Christ Jesus, the Son of God. Ephesians 6, verses 5-7 through says this, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. You may have heard that scripture before where it says that you need to uh, serve, serve as if you're serving the Lord and not for man because ultimately you are. Because everywhere you go and everywhere you serve and every, every act that you, action that you take, every deed that you perform is, an ultimately, is ultimately something that is reflecting Christ. As a Christian, we can't separate that. So see, we, we need to give up the, the, the rights that we have, as Christ clearly did, and allow God to take up our cause, serve because of what God has done and will do in our lives, not because of what man has done or demands of us or will do for us, but because of what God has and will do for us. When we serve others out of the overflow of a faithful heart, then the devastating actions of others become absolutely powerless. It doesn't matter what they say about us. It doesn't matter what they do. We are looking for our affirmation in heaven from God. And God can use us in any position, even the lowest and the most humble positions. God can use that. And He can use that for His kingdom and for His glory. The fourth thing that I want us to understand this morning is that we need to serve not on your own terms. Serve not on your own terms. Philippians 2.4, part of our, our passage this morning, says this, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This means that we live with an others-first mindset. That means that we are a people that are always thinking of the other person and not ourselves. And I'm telling you what, if we could apply this to our lives, oh Christians, if we could apply this to our lives, into our relationships, into our marriages, if we could apply this into our relationships at work, if we could apply something like this in, into our friendships, into family relationships, extended family, do you know how different and how much better it would be? How much better our lives would be? If we would live with an other's first mentality? Because that's what Christ did. The whole time that he walked on the earth, that's what he did. That's what he was about. And Philippians 2 tells us that over and over in so many ways. And this will change your whole life. I mean, if you struggle with selfishness in any way, you need to make this shift. Start thinking of others. And, and, and put others' interests before yourself. And when you do that, it's really hard to be selfish. You need to understand the, the needs of others and so show, show the selflessness because it also reflects our maturity in Christ Jesus. And so we serve not on our own terms. The fifth thing is that we serve when you have the freedom to do otherwise. This one's a hard maybe to wrap your mind around, but we serve when you have the freedom to do otherwise. In Galatians 5.13 it says this, For you are called the freedom brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Through love we're called to serve one another. There are many times in life where you could withhold service and still not look bad. I think that's a trap for many of us as Christians. We think, well, you know, I know that they said they really need us to serve and that we ought to be doing something, but I'm going to hold back here. I'm going to stand back. It's not going to make me look bad. 
have the freedom to do otherwise here, but I'm going to choose to just be selfish here, and I'm not going to do what I feel like God's telling me to do. Maybe you've experienced this at some point. You have this mentality that someone else will do it. There are times that I have not felt like serving, and when I had a choice in the matter, I'll be honest, I took the selfish route. I decided not to involve myself. But I think that some of our best times of growth in the Lord are when we choose to serve, when we have the freedom to choose otherwise without consequence. It's not just that we're trying to avoid a consequence. So maybe that we're trying to avoid inconvenience in some way. But we need to serve even when we have the freedom to do otherwise. And the sixth one and the last one I want to share with you this morning is that we need to serve like Jesus did. We need to serve like Jesus. It sounds so simple, but it's so true and so evident throughout his life. And so many of us need to have his attitude, his mindset. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus himself said this. He said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And I love this next part, he says, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's going to give his life. He's going to give his life on the cross to save us. So the whole time he was in existence on the earth, guess what? He gave his life. He gave his life by talking to people. He gave his life by preaching and, and sharing the heart of God with people. He, he gave his life away through serving. He gave his life away through healing people. Through taking time with people. It's one of those things that we have to remember to serve like Jesus because he was always concerned about those outside of the kingdom of God. And in his training of his disciples, he made it clear to them, this is something that I want you to do. This is some deeds in your life that I want to see. These things have kingdom potential. You know, sometimes I think about the church. I think about the outreach. And how all of the success of anything that we do together as a Christian community, as a body of believers, is God's people getting behind ministries, evangelistic ministries, financially with their time, and just with their dedication and service, and even with your prayers. And not just in church alone, but even as we're outside of the church, as Christians living and walking in daily life. But how much more when we gather together, when we become the family of God, so it's not just in church alone, it's in your own personal life too. But here in church, when we say we're going to serve the community, that we're actually going to love one another, that we're actually going to serve one another, sometimes the only thing hindering ministry success is a willing heart to provide some positive deeds through service. And sometimes the only hindrance to ministry success in our church is you. It's, it's just you. Let me explain that God uniquely gifted you. He's given you certain relationships that not everybody in this room has. We don't all have the exact same relational circle. He's gifted you with talents and abilities that no one else has. He's put you in situations and circumstances that no one else is in. And he says, child of mine, if you really love me and you really believe in me, then use those, use those circles for my glory. Use those circles 
to influence people for the kingdom. Use those circles to perform unselfish deeds, positive deeds that will help just explode the kingdom of God. I said at the beginning that the deeds of your life reflect who rules your heart. I sincerely believe that, but I would even go a step further and and maybe even say this a completely different way. And I would say it this way. The deeds of your life reflect the depth of your maturity in Christ. The deeds of your life also reflect the depth of your maturity in Christ. You see, serving is not just a deed we've done. It's an attitude that we live by. It's not just a deed that we do. It's not just something that we put on the agenda or on the schedule. It is a value that we live as kingdom-minded Christ followers with changed hearts and redeemed lives. And so, this morning, I want you to think about, if I were to ask you, if I were to come to you right after church and say, hey, who do you serve? What would you say? Where do you serve currently? What was the last positive deed for someone else that you performed? And are you growing in this area? Do you feel like there's an expansion of this in your life and your heart? Because this could be your next step to spiritual growth. You see, many times when I talk to people about, about serving or about ministry opportunities, they tell me about the past. Well, you know, 20 years ago, I used to teach Sunday school. That's great. What are you doing for the Lord today? <laughs> well, you know, I used to be on the such and such team. And well, I used to, I used to, I used to. And do you find yourself saying that? Is that how you'd answer me? It's just, well, let me tell you about the past. Let me tell you about when I was really close to God five years ago. What about today? Let's quit talking about how or what we did in the past. Let's, let's talk about what we're going to do. You know, we can sit here and talk about the past of the church, these big outreach-oriented events that we've done through the years. But they've truly had a ministry impact when people got behind them to serve. You might remember something we used to do years ago called Festival of Light. When we say that to new people, they think Christmas. No, well, it wasn't Christmas for us. It was Halloween for us. We called it Festival of Light because we were trying to be a light on a dark night, and we offered a Halloween alternative. Uh, We had Christian-themed doors, and we would let the community come, and they would trick-or-treat through our building. There were years where we actually raised $13,000 to $14,000 worth of candy, and we just gave it out free to anybody that would come that night. And as they came through our building, they encountered Bible characters and Bible stories and Christian concepts. And this night that was traditionally to celebrate, you know, ghosts and goblins and all of this this darkness with witches and all of this it was actually turned to a night of light. And the only way it happened was that every year there was about 150 people that said, you know what, I'm going to give up my Halloween. I'm going to do a positive deed. There are families that are in our church today that were directly from Festival of Light. They thought, man, if a church would do that, man, love all my kids like that, that that's someplace I want to go. I want to find out more about their Savior. You know, for years, ever since I can remember being here, even as a child, we've done vacation Bible school. Such a huge impact, but so volunteer heavy. We, we need so many people to, to sacrifice so much time. And, and even in the prep work leading up, the number of hours that go into building sets and stage designs and, and making copies and putting together crafts and doing all these different areas, practicing for the band. But even that week, people just sacrificing hurrying home from work so they can come up here and be a part of something positive, a positive deed to serve the community. 
few years ago, we did a back-to-school bash where we, we not only met needs for school supplies, but we also prayed with people. You might remember that. Easter extravaganza is something that we still do today every year. We've done family palooza. Those are just a few things that we've done. But coming up soon, I, I feel remiss if I don't share with you opportunities that are coming up soon, that maybe you can live out this truth in your life, that maybe God would stretch you and grow you in this area. Because if we're going to love where we live, we're going to love our hometown, and we can do it by serving separately, but we can also do it by serving together as a church. The last Sunday of this month, there's a citywide food drive put on by an organization called Loaves and Fishes. You may, if you've been in it a long time, you may remember the Horn of Plenty food drive. Well, the Loaves and Fishes has taken that over, and this is the, the food drive for the city. They sometimes help as many as 190 families a week. And how you can help them reach their goal, and you can help serve some of the poor, impoverished, and the hungry and needed, is you could give up two to three hours on a Sunday afternoon. You don't even have to knock on the doors and ask for food anymore. They don't want you to do that. All you do literally is drive around in your, in your truck or your van or your car and you just load up your car with all the groceries that people have set out on their porch. It's going to put a cramp in your style. Something you're going to have to do that afternoon. It's going to be two to three hours. But it's a very positive deed. And it serves the community. You know, this fall we have our Thanksgiving dinner. We do this every year, but... The last few years, we've turned it from being an insider thing about, oh, it's just about our church and our church family sharing Thanksgiving together. And we've actually been turning it toward outreach. We've invited NOC students. You might remember that a couple of years ago, we had like 40 NOC student athletes that had to be here for Thanksgiving because of practices and games starting right away. And we invited them to come out and we loved on them. We showed them the love of Christ just by serving them, giving them a free meal. So many people are needed to help with the Thanksgiving dinner. You know, we do, I was thinking the, the other thing too is the living Christmas tree. I'm going to talk about that in, at the announcement time in just a little bit, but we have such an opportunity there to give the gift to people in our community. Uh, every year that we do the living Christmas tree, I get emails or letters from people that say, I want you to know how much that meant to me, that your church would do this because I was in a really bad place. And I had no Christmas spirit. I wasn't even thinking about that. And to be reminded that God loved me so much that he sent a baby, took on the form of man, born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger, and they did it for me was, was just a reminder I needed to get me through this, this, what we call the holiday season. We have so many opportunities with that. And it's not just singing. I mean, we need singers. But there's, there's so many other opportunities with that. I think what God's waiting for sometimes is for some people to just say, Hey, I'm in. I'm in, God. I know I've been holding back. I know I've been pulling back. I've been saying, oh, not this. and Oh, not, not, not this. And that's a really inconvenient thing for me. And I think God's just saying, some people will just, just raise their hands and say, you know what, God, I'm in. I really do love you. And I, I really believe this mission is the most important thing in the world. And it would really grieve my heart if you returned tomorrow because I feel like there's so much work to be done. There's so many more people and lives to be reached. There's so many people to affect with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so God, I'm, I'm making the shift now. Can I, Lord, can I be your hands and feet? Can I show that I'm truly, fully devoted to you because I'm going to serve I'm going to perform positive deeds. I think what you'll find out and understand the truth that the deeds of your life reflects who rules your heart. 
that you're going to find yourself a little bit closer to Jesus when you serve like he did. Let's bow forward to prayer. God, I thank you that you invite us to join you on mission. God, that we, we understand this morning that this is something we live out in our daily life. It doesn't have to be a program. It doesn't have to be a ministry team. This is something that we go to work tomorrow. Uh, we go out in the world and, and we, we, we serve, God. We become the volunteer coach when they don't have one. We become uh, the person that, that is going to work behind the scenes to, to, to make something happen. And maybe a, an organization or even another person maybe gets all the credit for it. But God, we're going to take on the form of a lowly, humble servant. Because we're not in it for what's in it for us, God. We're in it for what's in it for others. God, we understand that sometimes eternity is in the balance just because of a conversation that we could have, a prayer that we could pray, or some unselfish deed that we could do, and that we would meet others with the love of Christ in that. So Lord, I just pray that if there's any of us that would say, you know what, I haven't been committed in this area, and, and I have felt guilty. I felt for several weeks now I was supposed to reach out to this person or I was supposed to intervene in this situation and I know it's going to be convenient and inconvenient I know it's going to take my time but but God I'm in I'm in now I'm going to do it and God we're going to see the difference that people can make when we get together and decide I, I'm going to live my life for others perform positive deeds that will reflect Christ to the world so God, as we come into this time of invitation, God, I pray just work on our hearts and our minds. Help us to be the people that you've created us to be in Christ Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.